0: Amen. You may be seated as you're taking your seats, if you would take your Bibles and turn to the Old Testament, the book of Samuel, uh, 2 Samuel to be precise, Second Samuel chapter 3, and that's where we return this week. And as you're turning there, I just want to ask if you have a similar experience uh, like mine. Oftentimes, I find myself getting my feel of nasty news, whether it's political bickering, or the police blotter, or world health scares, there are just sometimes I just want to turn it all off, right? I want to find that hammock that stretched between two palm trees, or either I want to find that mountain trail that trail that takes you by streams, that trail that takes you deep through the forest, up the mountainside to the ridge, and there you got the beautiful view of a valley below. That's where I want to go. Anyone know what I mean? And yet, once there, looking down on that valley, I would not be free from this fallen world because there I would be. And like Paul, there are clearly times where I know myself to be the chief of sinners. Can I get an amen? Amen. Uh, Maybe you know those times yourself. And so when I come to a text like 2 Samuel chapter 3, I'll be honest, I've got the urge to turn it off because it's dark. It's a dark text filled with dark things. Particularly on a day when we're talking about being the light of the world, I just want to turn this one off. There's probably another reason why I want to turn a text like this off, at least for a time. It's because once I get into the text, there might just be a few mirrors along the way. Mirrors that show stuff that is dark in me. And yet as a diamond stands out brilliantly when it's laid on a dark cloth, the diamond that is the Lord Jesus Christ will shine if we don't run from this dark text. Rather, if we would work our way through these dark stories... Dark stories of wickedness. I think we can make our way through at least the first 20, 21 verses, and that's probably sufficient. So brace yourself. Brace yourself for the reading of God's holy, his powerful, his inspired, his infallible, his inerrant word. Brace yourself. There was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David, and David grew stronger and stronger, while the house of Saul became weaker and weaker. And sons were born to David at Hebron. His firstborn was Amnon of Ahinoam of Jezreel. And the second, Chilab of Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And the third, Absalom, son of Makkah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Gesher. The fourth, Adonijah, son of Haggith. And the fifth, Shephatiah, the son of Abital. And the sixth, Ithream, of Eglah, David's wife. These were born to David in Hebron. While there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David Abner was making himself strong in the house of Saul Now Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah the daughter of Aiah and Ishbosheth said to Abner Why have you gone in to my father's concubine Then Abner was very angry over the words of Ishbosheth and said Am I a dog's head of Judah To this day, I keep showing steadfast love to the house of Saul, your father, to his brothers, and to his friends, and have not given you into the hand of David. And yet you charge me today with a fault concerning a woman? God do so to Abner. And more also, if I do not accomplish for David what the Lord has sworn to him to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and to set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan to Beersheba. And Ishbosheth could not answer Abner another word because he feared him. And Abner sent messengers to David on his behalf saying, To whom does the land belong? Make your covenant with me, and behold, my hand shall be with you to bring over all Israel to you. And he said, Good, I will make a covenant with you. But one thing I require of you, that is, you shall not see my face unless you first bring son Saul's daughter. And when you come to see my face... Then David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, Give me my wife, Michal, for whom I paid the bridal price of a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, Paltiel, the son of Elish. But her husband went with her, weeping after her all the way to Baharim. Then Abner said to him, Go, return. And he returned. And Abner conferred with the elders of Israel, saying, For some time past, you've been seeking David as king over you. Now then, bring it about. For the Lord has promised David, saying, By the hand of my servant David I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and from the hand of all their enemies. Abner also spoke to Benjamin. And then Abner went to David at Hebron, all that Israel and the whole house of Benjamin thought good to do. And when Abner came with 20 men to David at Hebron, David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. And Abner said to David, I will arise and go and will gather all Israel to my lord the king that they may make covenant with you and that you may reign over all that your heart desires. So David sent Abner away and he went in peace. Word of God for the people of God. Three things to consider with me this morning, brothers and sisters. First, consider kingdom growth through sinful motives. Second, consider sinf- kingdom growth through sinful means. And then lastly, kingdom growth by sovereign mercy. Growth through sinful motives. Growth through sinful means. And growth by sovereign mercy. First then, kingdom growth through sinful motives. Del Ralph Davis, in his commentary that we're using frequently in our series through the book of Samuel, Del Ralph Davis tells an old Donald Gray Barnhouse story. Now, if you don't know that name, Donald Gray Barnhouse was the famous pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia years ago, and he was famous for his preaching, for his expository preaching. He was famous also for his good stories. And Barnhouse once told the story of a young Willie. And the story of young Willie is much like one of those stories about uh, one young George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life. You remember George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life as a, uh, as a boy was out playing with other boys and they were playing uh, in the winter time, and, and his brother lands in the freezing water of the lake and George goes out and rescues his brother. This story about young Willie is much like that. Yeah, it's got a twist to it. You see, young Willie and his friends were out skating one winter's day on a lake on a pond And one of Willie's friends was skating, and all of a sudden, the ice was thin, and he fell in. And Willie quickly crawled out and rescued his friends. And it was a public place, so a lot of folks gathered there, and as Willie is rescuing his his friend, uh, the place erupts with cheers, with praise, with adoration. And it's all heaped on, on Willie. And one lady, one woman, asked him, tell us, my boy, how you were brave enough to risk your life to save your friend. How are you brave enough to risk your life to save your friend? And in between his shivers, with his teeth chattering, Willie said, I had to. He had my skates. <laughs> you can do a very good thing for not so very good of a motive. It's a simple truth. You can do right things for wrong reasons. And here we've got a prime example, and that example is Abner. He does the right thing. He does a thing that is in keeping with what he has known all along. David was God's anointed. And Abner had known that. And as we saw last time, he perversely opposed what he knew. He opposed it. He opposed it when David's rule was merely the rule of a chieftain over the tribe of Judah in Hebron. But after a few years of David's rule as that chieftain... Abner's growing stronger in his influence upon the northern tribes and Benjamin, and he's strong enough to where he thinks, okay, now I can be a kingmaker. And he was. He became a kingmaker. He set Ishbosheth, the, Saul, uh, the son of Saul, the weak son of Saul, he sets him on the throne. And not only does he do that, but then he agitates against David and Judah, and it ends up becoming war. And that would go on, as we see in verse 1, for some time. And as war went on, again, a war initiated by Abner, Abner decided he's going to strengthen his position within the house of Saul. He's going to strengthen his position within the tribes, the northern tribes, and Benjamin. He's going to strengthen his position, and I think he's got this in mind. And I think it was in his mind all along. I'm going to set up. Ishbosheth. Ishbosheth is weak. There's going to come a point in time when Ishbosheth will fall, and I will be the man. I'll be the guy. I'll be the next king. Notice verse 6. While there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, Abner was making himself strong in the house of Saul. Now how exactly did he make himself strong in the house of Saul by taking one of Abner's uh, one of excuse me one of Saul's former concubines as his wife. It was as much of a political act as it was a sexual act. This was no affair of love. This was a claim upon the throne should Ishbosheth fall. It was an ancient near eastern way of doing business. But don't miss how brazen it was. Don't miss, don't miss how sinful a use of force it was. Sin is ugly and sin is dark. Verse 7. Now Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizba, the daughter of Aa. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, "Why have you gone in to my father's concubine?" Ishbosheth, as weak as he was, nevertheless showed some courage here, didn't he? He shows. It, it seems as if he shows a bit of integrity here. He called Abner on his sin. He called him out. And what does Abner do? He continues to show his colors. Verse eight. Then Abner was very angry over the words of Ishwashef and said, Am I a dog's head of Judah to this day? I keep showing steadfast love to the house of Saul, your father, to his brothers, and to his friends, and have not given you into the house of David or in the hand of David, and yet you charge me today with a fault concerning, and get this, and I think this is probably how he said, a woman. He was ticked. And notice how he speaks of Rizpah. Rizpa, who, he's just in essence made his wife. He treats her, he speaks of her as just some sort of piece of property. A pawn. For that's what she was to him. Sin is ugly. Sin is dark. Sin is prideful. Sin is vile. And next he continues, and this time profanely calling down a reverent use or a reverent curse upon himself. And again, admitting all along what he knew. Had this been part of his plot? Possibly. Notice what he says, verse 9. God do so to Abner. And more also, if I do not accomplish for David what the Lord has sworn to him, to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and to set up a throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan to Beersheba. His sin was dark, his sin was ugly, his sin was prideful, it was vile, it was profane, and it was calculating. And it had what sort of effect? Get it, get it. It expanded the kingdom. It expanded the kingdom. Abner does what? He confers with the elders of Israel. He confers with Benjamin and he brings them over. He brings them over to David. Kingdom growth through sinful motives. The kingdom was indeed expanding. Abner had sought the kingdom, but not out of love for Yahweh. Abner had sought the kingdom not out of a love for Yahweh's anointed David. Abner had sought the kingdom for Abner's sake. For Abner's position. For Abner's advancement. For Abner's glory. Verse 12. And Abner sent messengers to David on his behalf. Saying, to whom does the land belong? Rhetorical question. In other words, the land belongs to me, David. Make your covenant with me. And behold, my hand shall be with you to bring over all Israel to you. That might be just a bit worse than I had to. He had on my skates. I want the kingdom. I want control, I want power, I want glory. And I'm going to seek it. I'm going to seek the kingdom for that. One commentator put it this way, Christian workers must be alert to their own abnormality. Our orthodox line about supporting Christ's kingdom may only be cover for using Christ's kingdom. As we sing Onward Christian Soldiers, we realize that there may be many mercenaries within our ranks. As we sing Onward Christian Soldiers, we might be singing around mercenaries. In it for the wrong motives. Dear ones, we can do a lot for the kingdom, we can do a lot in the kingdom. And the kingdom, get this, may truly even grow. But we might be doing what we do for our own sinful motives and not for the glory of Christ. You need to understand, Abner is not far from any one of us. Any one of us. And if you think he's far away from you, he's probably a lot closer than you ever realize. Abner's really close to us, and so is David. And here, for me, the story gets darker. It gets sadder. I'm expecting these things from Abner. Now I come to David, and I like David. But now I want to turn the TV off even quicker Because David's a letdown here. David's a disappointment here. But notice, you still have kingdom growth through not sinful motives so much this time, but sinful means. No sooner are we told that beautiful word of verse 1, that the house of David's getting stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul's getting weaker and weaker, than we are immediately told of the ways that the house of David was growing stronger. And in the light of ancient Near Eastern practices, what we're told is just standard fare. It's what was expected of a king. You added to your harem. You had multiple wives. It's what was expected. It was even politically savvy, we might say. But in light of Genesis 1 and 2 where we have God's intention for human sexuality to be expressed in the covenant between one man and one woman, and in the light of Exodus 20, when we are forbidden from violating that covenant, and in the light of Deuteronomy 17, where kings were expressly forbidden from having multiple wives, in light of God's word, what David is doing here is... Sinful. Verse 5. And the sixth son, Ithrim, of Eglah, David's wife, these were born to David in Hebron. Go through that paragraph, verse 2 through verse 5, and you'll find David had six, not one wife, six. Yes, some of these were political moves, like his marriage to Makkah, Macaw was the daughter of the king of this little kingdom to the northeast of Galilee. Basically, it would be the Golan Heights today. And he married her, why? So that he could apply pressure on the other side of the northern tribes. Yes, it's a political move. But political savvy doesn't make having multiple wives less sinful. And discerning readers who are familiar with the rest of the story of David will come across names like Amnon and Absalom. And you know trouble's ahead. Be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure our sins will find us out. Recognize sin splatters, and it may splatter for generations. Sin, sexual sin like here, can have long-term horrific effects. And yes, have long-term horrific effects even in the heart and the life of a man after God's own heart. But then as if to add an, uh, an emotional exclamation point or to underline this, this wrong means of expanding the kingdom, we have verses 14 through 16. They're heart-wrenching, aren't they? David makes a political move here. All right, Abner, if you're going to do this, got one thing for you to do. Get me... My first wife back? Let me call. Get her back for me. Yes, she had been David's wife, right? Yes, she had actually been his first wife. And yes, Saul had taken her from him. But the move, this move of David, wasn't romantic. It's strategic, it's political, it's a test of Abner. And it's a means of solidifying, if we do bring the northern tribes, and if we do bring Benjamin under the reign of David, of solidifying that reign. Yes, it's all that. But the writer wants us to feel the pain of her new husband. But her husband, verse 16... But her husband went with her, weeping after her all the way to Baharim. Then Abner said to him, go return. There's nothing else he could do. He returns. Yes, the kingdom was growing. Yes, David was the anointed king. Yes, David is a hero of our faith. And yet, David is a man of warts. David is a man of clay feet. He's a hero who sinned very visibly. And that sin would have ongoing ramifications and pains. Such, brothers and sisters, is the way of sin. Sweet to the taste, but bitter to the end. Yes, David would be forgiven... Yet forgiveness does not remove all pain. Right? Forgiveness was pronounced this morning to all of us who confess sin. And that's glorious and that's sweet, but that doesn't mean we're not going to face pain in the here and now. Yes, David wouldn't face eternal judgment. But that doesn't mean he wouldn't be spared of temporal, this world, consequences of his sins. Tier ones, let us let that sink in. In our day and in our culture, we have a culture that preaches few restraints upon political machinations, right? I mean, you can do just about anything you want to politically. And it preaches even fewer restraints upon sex. Don't miss the sins of these two men. Abner the unlikable and David the likable. Polygamy, polyamory, sexual abuse of power, treating people as mere tools for our pleasure and our loss and power, homosexual lust and practice, pornography, promiscuity, adultery, be it physical or mental, living sexually in any fashion outside of the Holy Covenant between one man and one woman, brothers and sisters, it is sin. It all brings heartache. It all is a rejection of God's wisdom, of God's graciousness, and of God's authority. No matter how we feel, no matter what our culture preaches, and we must see it for what it is. Who has bewitched the church so much? Who has bewitched the evangelical, Bible-believing church so much that we have such a, let's be frank, lax view of sexuality? It's it's anything goes, and I want you to condone it. And y'all know I'm speaking truth. How can we in a dark world be a city set upon a hill if we have bought in to our culture's sexual revolution? And we're just a few years behind the curve. This is a dark chapter. These are ugly sins and stories. And sadly, I think... We should admit, we are in the chapter that has mirrors. And yet there's comfort here too. There's encouragement here too. Encouragement when we may even find ourselves staring into a mirror. Yes, we see kingdom growth through sinful motives of Abner. Yes, we see... Kingdom growth through the sinful means of David, but don't miss it. Despite and through all of it, we see kingdom growth by sovereign mercy. God could have brought the plans of Abner. God could have brought the actions of David to a complete stop. He could have ended it all right there. No kingdom, just judgment. But he didn't. He didn't. He was what? Merciful. And He even, as as He always does, He even sovereignly used their ugly motives and means to build up His kingdom. Why? Why? Unfathomable mercy and grace is one answer. And the extension of that answer, because through such a kingdom would come an even greater David with pure motives, with perfect submission to the law of God, and with a single-minded faithfulness to one bride, the church. Loving her so much, cherishing her so much that he'd lay down his life For hers and be resurrected for her justification and eternal kingdom life. And therefore, this means there is hope for us when we look at the mirror and see another Abner. There's hope for us when we look into the mirror and see another David. There's hope for us when in faith and humility and repentance of our sins, we look to Jesus. That's when we'll shine. Won't won't you do that this day, brothers and sisters? Let's pray. Holy Father, I don't understand your ways. I don't understand how you're so incredibly merciful to us. How you spare us what our sins deserve right now. That you forgive those who by your grace turn and place their trust in Jesus. Father, I marvel at the grace and mercy you show me and the grace and mercy you show us. Help us in humility in faith and repentance to look to Jesus, to confess our sins, to ask for his forgiveness, to ask for his mercy, to ask for His grace, to repent of our sins, and to follow after Him. Lord, there are many obstacles to such. Obstacles in this world and obstacles even in our lives, and obstacles here this day. And yet, you're sovereign. There's nothing too powerful for you. Save your people.